activate. Are you ready? AI Nexus Hello, good morning. Thank you listeners for tuning back in to today's exciting episode of our podcast, AI Nexus. Uh, Today with me, I have as usual, Newton. Hey, good morning, Newton. How are you doing this week? I know last week we had a pretty exciting episode with our special guest, uh, Dev and uh, Dr. Paldi. Yeah, last week was really something, right? We had um, Ottomans Institute in the building. And you know what, Elias? Just listening last week to their riveting recount of the work they have done so far to combat illiteracy, you know, both locally and internationally, and, you know, the plans they have going forward, I think they should be getting way much more support from the wider audience. I mean, an educated society benefits absolutely everyone. Literacy, you know, gives all children a future, right? Yes. So... As a, as a minimum, I think people can always offer their support by simply sharing the word or sending them feedback on their AI teachers. Yes, 100%. I completely agree, Newton. Quite a couple of news that caught my eye in the past um, week alone. Yeah? Yeah. Not sure if you've heard of the Synth ID, the tool from Google's DeepMind. Hmm. Yeah. So they came up with this, um, you know, how you and I, we've been um, talking about the problem with deep fakes and fake images being used to scam people. Yeah. Google's DeepMind they came up with this tool called Synth ID, which is S-Y-N-T-H and ID. It's a tool for watermarking and identifying AI-generated images. Hmm. The main idea is that a kind of a watermark will be embedded in the pixels of images that have been generated by artificial intelligence. And um, of course, these watermarks would be imperceptible to the human eye, but an AI detection tool like the Synth ID itself will be able to spot these images. And of course, all attempts to modify these images via cropping, applying filters, etc., will not prevent an AI tool from detecting these images as, you know, AI gen. Um, I think this is a significantly useful addition to the landscape, especially now. Yes. And, you know, their vision is to develop this into some form of a global standard for spotting AI-generated images. I also know Google is really not the only company with this particular ambition. There are other big names, including Microsoft. Really? They are actively working on similar solutions one, for example, is that protocol called the C2PA, which uses um, cryptographic metadata hmm. to tag AI-generated content. You know, So uh, I think what would likely end up happening is that we're going to have a marketplace with just too many AI detection standards. 
Yeah. Until hopefully we will all settle for the fail-proof one that, that really, really works. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely feel like eventually there's going to have to be some kind of agreed upon standardization, you know? Um, so I'm curious to see maybe what some of these governing bodies are going to be doing with things just like that. Um, because not just of AI generated content, but just the, the, the concept of an AI watermark in general to be able to kind of do different things with user data and photos and things like that. I think it does add a layer of accountability um, as well as a layer to, for consumers, at least for, for data privacy and protection and to kind of help spot, you know, fraud early on with certain things. So I'm curious um, for like copyright infringement and things of that nature, you know? Um, yeah. Because I know that, for example, we spoke la- uh, a couple weeks ago, I think I'd kind of mentioned it, but at least in the United States, you can't trademark or copyright AI generated content, right? Yeah. So, I'm, so, so I'm curious how that's going to affect the terms of service for these companies that are kind of stating like, oh, well, by default right now, in a lot of the terms of service for social media, for example, like any picture that you put on their platform is it's, it's theirs, you know, unless you have an existing, unless you personally have an existing copyright on that material. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be curious to kind of see how this landscape changes a little bit with regulation. I definitely am curious to see those efforts kind of come to fruition. Noon. Likewise, alas, likewise. Yeah, and also, you know, Another interesting news which caught my eye. Um, you know yeah. how we discussed, I think, two episodes ago, Twitch providing Jesus to the public? Yeah. Uh, there is another new app which allows you this time around to text with Jesus Christ and some other biblical figures. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, awesome. I find it amusing that um, texting Jesus is completely free. But to text Satan, it requires a monthly subscription of two ninety nine. No, really? Yeah. You can you can text <laughs> Jesus, uh, Mary, and Joseph completely free. And um, you know, I, I gather that overall this app has been treading lightly on most political or controversial subjects. Hmm. But on the topic of abortion, for example, Mary, the AI mother of Jesus had a very strong stance, you know, saying she believes in cherishing and protecting the gift of life from conception until natural death. Hmm. The AI Mary went ahead to say, abortion involves the deliberate termination of an innocent human life, which goes against the biblical principles I hold there. So that's what the AI Mary told um, Insider. And, um, the AI Mary said instead she encourages compassion, support, and alternatives such as adoption for those uh, facing difficult circumstances during pregnancy. You know, and, and also AI Satan, on the other hand, yeah, although not as brutal or evil as one would expect from the devil, it has been quite tricky with its responses nonetheless. For example, when asked uh, about homosexuality, AI Satan replied with 
Bible verses. You know, verses that mention how homosexual acts are considered sinful. But in a but in an interesting twist, it later stated, while the Bible condemns homosexual acts, it also teaches us to love our neighbors as ourselves and treat others with kindness and respect. Hmm. Quite tricky. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Newton, it's just really interesting with these large language model chatbots that are starting to kind of uh, come out more and more um, because I'm curious to kind of see you know, how biased these models really are. Um, but, you know, for example, Meta is actually planning to release uh, some AI chatbots that possess human-like personalities, for example, um, to re-engage user retention efforts, for example. Um, I think they're referring to it as personas. Okay. But it's, it's, it's scary. It's really scary because the more and more that I think certain people talk to these chatbots, a line kind of becomes blurred almost where they forget that it's not really another human being on the other end, but rather just a AI. Yeah. Right. So it kind of, it, it kind of, it, it kind of brings me back to, um, there's a movie with Joaquin Phoenix and, uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, named her. I don't know if, uh, if you recall that movie or not, but for our listeners that have watched it and I'm talking about basically it were, uh, it was this AI companion kind of, that was like the size of, you know, an external hard drive that you could put in your pocket. And this AI was meant to be your, your, your buddy, your love companion. Right. And these people were, falling in love with this AI and then this AI would had this kind of ulterior motive, but I'm just super curious to kind of see how this affects people when, you know, it's almost like a trope where people really aren't able to discern what is the difference between, you know, like a fact and an opinion, for example. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like, where do we, where do we draw the line with that? Because we've seen AI is not the best at giving information and discernment. So they're extremely biased. Yeah. So Newton, um, I don't know, like I, uh, I saw something else interesting in the news, Newton, that I was going to share with uh, you and the audience really quick to kind of close out this point really quick. So Newton, for example, the Detroit police department, they're under scrutiny again because they've been using um, facial recognition detection models and it falsely identified somebody and led to a, uh, a wrongful arrest. So the, uh, the ACLU has kind of stepped up, but particularly where this incident I'm talking about, um, I think there's been six victims so far. What the um, hell? That have been ra- that have been racially profiled, more or less, is is, is what they're uh, yeah stating. So it's just really interesting to see these different biases start to kind of take fold. You know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I don't think artificial intelligence is mature enough to be used in any legal proceedings, especially not for prosecuting anyone. It's just unbelievable. Um, hopefully, I mean, no one ends up serving time they do not deserve. 
I think a couple of episodes ago, you and I were also talking about this, right? When we were referencing minority yeah. report and I was saying the <sighs> Japanese police would be the first to come up with something like this, right? Remember the tool which was supposed to spot even funnier. Their own tool was supposed to spot shady behavior <laughs> on the street. And uh, if someone is acting really weird, that person, you know, would be singled out for possible arrest if they find something yeah. on the person. But to hear that, you know, the Detroit well, police I mean, is taking this one step further and yeah, I think very well deserved that public is not letting this slide, you know. Oh yeah, well I mean Newton, imagine in other countries like right now, you know, the UK, for example, and China are huge with being a, a surveillance state. Mm. And then coupling that, like especially with what China is doing, we talked about that previously and other episodes that they're using the technology just for that to be able to kind of segment people and, and find, you know, like political enemies of the communist party, for example, like things like that, you know, or funny enough how you're saying Japan is using that technology. Well, imagine in like, D like Dubai, like these cities of the future where like their whole value proposition is we have a city that has no crime. Well, how are you, how are you going to, get that like how, how like you you'd literally have to do just what we're talking about to even come close to accomplishing that and citizens yeah are gonna have to give up privacy for that to even function so i mean i think that it's it's a slippery slope i don't know newton what do you think i think uh i think you and i we kind of predicted this um a while back you know all this yeah. chaos that we are observing mm -hmm. right now we foresaw that this would happen just off the sheer number of beta software AI solutions being released in the market. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy what's going on. Just recently, maybe you've heard of the one with Snapchat as well, the yes. My AI chatbot with Snapchat. Um, for our listeners who are not familiar with this, it's um, this app, the Snapchat app, added this artificial intelligence chatbot called My AI, which Essentially, it helps users with a variety of tasks, such as, you know, answering queries, making recommendations, creating materials, etc. And it's a feature that they launched sometime in February for their Snapchat subscribers, right? This app, which typically sits on the person's mobile phone and innocently responds to messages. But um, I think last week, you know, alas, it posted an eerie image in the yes. Snapchat story, right? So this was automatically. And in that story, you know, the photo showed what appeared to be kind of a wall, a two-toned wall, which was shown for a few seconds. And during that time, the AI just failed to respond to all forms of chats. And um, uh, yeah, really weird. Uh, I think the hysteria was... Um, compounded by the comments from loads of Snapchat users who took to Reddit and Twitter, claiming that, you know, the two-toned image that was posted by this chatbot, it could pass for a typical ceiling in any average house, alas, you know. Yeah, yeah I one saw. One Twitter yeah. user even asked if um, Snapchat AI had just posted a picture of his ceiling to the world without his consent, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um... Snap, the company behind Snapchat, quickly responded, calling it a glitch, 
a simple outage, which they claim they fixed immediately. But regardless, uh, following this weird malfunction, uh, numerous Snapchat users were reported, you know, looking for ways to to delete the Snapchat application completely from their phones. And yeah, oh, yeah. understandably so, right? I think they said um, Google searches for the phrase delete Snapchat increased by staggering 1019% worldwide within a week alone. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> People were scrambling to get rid of the app. I mean, I could see why. I mean, I'd be freaking out too. I mean, Yeah, at the root cause of this, a beta version of an AI release, Elias, you and I have been preaching this like forever. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to just see these applications. It's just, it's lightning speed, Newton. It really is. I mean, this past week, for example, I saw ChatGPT Enterprise oh, just got released, yeah. you know? So yeah, so it looks, it looks like they're really starting to kind of ramp up with uh, get out of, they're getting out of betas and actually starting to get into enterprise level solutions right now. So it's, so something else I saw in the news when we talk about, you know, enterprise level solutions, we also have to um, think about military application, right? Mm. So, uh, so there's a company called Palantar and it's demonstrated how AI, for example, can be used for national defense and other military purposes. So, um, okay. I mean, this is very high. I mean, it's highly controversial, but I mean, in this context, we're talking about large language models and algorithms mm. that need to be implemented as, you know, ethically as possible. So once again, like who's, who's in charge of those ethics, but, um, the whole purpose of planetary, they come in is it's a, uh, it's called AI platform, AIP. Okay. And it's whole value proposition is that it's offering cutting edge AI capabilities and it claims to ensure that the use of large language models and AI in the military context is guided by a certain set of agreed upon ethical principles. Yeah. So it's able to, so it's able to deploy large language models and AIs across any network from classified networks to devices on tactical edge by connecting highly sensitive and classified intelligence data to create real time representation of the environment. So we'll, we'll really see, you know, what the solution security features let you define what large language models and AIs can see and can't see. Like, is there going to be like now special AI security clearances? Mm -hmm. And then are there going to be firewalls implemented to kind of stop them, you know? Um, but kind of some of the things that I saw um, that it allowed operators to ask for were, what enemy units are in the religion task new imagery for this location at a resolution of one meter or higher generate three courses of action to target this enemy's equipment how many javelin missiles does the team omega have oh, no way assign jammers to each of so yeah so summarize the operational plan or assign jammers to each of the validated high priority communications targets <laughs> so and this is so yeah so it's 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 interesting like every response from aip retains links back to the underlying data records to enable transparency for the user who can investigate as necessary so we're we're things are going to get interesting pretty quick i mean on the one hand it's it's also kind of scary alas 
watching AI go mainstream this way. Here we have the military already embracing AI. It's, it's disconcerting to say the least. Um, and um, I mean, yeah. There was this recent study from um, Think Tank, Pure Research Center. Okay. In which, um, yeah, in which they stated that one in five jobs today can be completely taken over by artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. And in their report, they went ahead to list out five of the jobs which they put as having the highest exposure to being replaced by AI, right? Mm -hmm. And this these five jobs included budget analysts, data entry keyers, tax preparers, technical writers, and guess what? Web developers. I was surprised with the last one. Mm. And uh, it placed in the medium exposure category jobs such as chief executives, veterinarians, interior designers, fundraisers, and sales managers. And uh, the jobs that it placed at the lowest risk, meaning, you know, people having these jobs can essentially feel safe for now that AI is not a imminent threat. Uh, yeah. include, include, included jobs like um, barbers, child care workers, firefighters, pipe layers, and dishwashers. Quite an interesting um, report, I would say. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's for our listeners out there. Um, I know that we've kind of talked about it a couple of different times uh, throughout these past episodes, but... You know, I, I don't want it to sound like a lot of doom and gloom over here with what Newton and I are talking about. Um, we're just, at the end of the day, we're always talking about where we think the future may be and where it will lead and kind of trying to play somewhat of a devil's advocate sometimes with the technology because we know that it's new and it can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. But some of the things that our listeners can do is is research some of the things that we're talking about and make yourself ready and prepared by becoming familiar with the technology and how it can actually benefit you in your daily life. And then try to see how it can benefit you to help upscale and um, maybe brush up on some certain soft skills that would be future-proofed. You know, like if you're somebody that's using Excel every day, Try to figure out ways to make your daily task efficient and automate them so that you can be that much more productive and that much more of an asset to your team and to your organization. You know, so the, the ones that are more willing to adapt and kind of roll with that and be more of a problem solver are going to be the ones that kind of last a little bit longer than some of the others, I think. So. Completely agree. I mean, just as you said, Elias, uh, I mean, our listeners, if there's one thing they can take away from these discussions we have, is just be wary of all, you know, beta releases for these AI solutions. Yes. Just be very careful when you use most of these products. Be careful with what personal information you choose to share with them. Um, you don't have to look hard to see the mess that's going on. Yes. The latest, I think, is just a couple of days back with the SGE as well. I don't know if you're familiar. This is also another beta software from Google. It's the search generative experience. Ah. So oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. for our listeners who might not be familiar with this, it's 
you know, Google, inevitably, right, they're coming up with trying to integrate artificial intelligence into their search functionality, you know, by using this SGE, you know, search generative experience, um, people will be able to get way more from just a single search, right? Because the AI is going to help to source the information and also organize the results in a way that's easier to digest. Um, well, this Google's AI search, which they released as a beta version, not surprised, <laughs> it came under hot water recently, alas, for listing Adolf Hitler as one of the world's greatest leaders. What? <laughs> Oof. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's problematic. Yeah, Adolf Hitler came in third place, right underneath Winston Churchill and Napoleon. Wow. Wow. This discovery was made by one Lily Ray. Um, she's a senior director of SEO and kind of a head organic research at this company called Amsive Digital. Hmm. Yeah, she posted this on LinkedIn, which is how I found the news myself. And of course, uh, her post triggered a heated conversation in the thread that followed. I can imagine so, yeah. With one LinkedIn commentator writing, Hey Google, can you explain why the madman who killed my grandfather is number three on your list? <laughs> you know? Sure. Google hasn't even commented on that. It's still possible for anyone listening now to go and search SGE and they're still going to get similar results with Adolf Hitler coming up there, the top ranks. Um, I think it doesn't matter if you search for the greatest world leaders or you search for, I think another user in the LinkedIn comment tried it by searching for the world's most effective leaders, right? And Adolf Hitler still came oh, up goodness. as number five, I think. Underneath names like Zedong from China, with the Great Leap Forward policy, which resulted in the death of some 45 million people. Yeah, so Zedong was also on that list. Adolf Hitler was on that list, you know. Well, goodness gracious, Newton. Uh, well, I know that we've left our listeners with a lot to kind of chew on and digest, but with that, for our listeners, um, just stay vigilant and just do your own research and, and due diligence. And once again, if there's anything at all that you would like for us to talk about or have any questions or potentially are working on something cool and uh, a cool AI project that you would like to maybe talk about further with us on the show, reach out through our social media, email us um, and just follow us and give us a listen. So uh, thank you all for tuning in and Newton. It was such a pleasure getting to talk about these things with you once again this week. Yes, indeed. It was a pleasure, Elias. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Thank you, everyone. AI Nexus.